Hello, everyone, and welcome. We're so excited that you're joining us today uh, for our panel discussion. My name is Kenneth Acock, and I serve as a Northeast Discipleship Consultant for our Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And I just want to say welcome and thank you for uh, joining us today. We're going to be asking the question, is it time for a facilities update? And we want to uh, ask you to take a look at the blog uh, that we're going to be posting today where we look at some concepts from the book of Nehemiah where he walks through a building process as he led the Jewish people to rebuild the walls at Jerusalem. And also we want you to interact with us through the, uh, through the comment section on uh, this video feed. So we wanna encourage you to do that. And I wanna welcome Dallas White. He is the lead pastor at the Grove Church and also one of our discipleship consultants. He's just doing a great job in, in Georgia Baptist life. So we wanna welcome you Dallas today. Hey, my name is Matthew Gibbs. I am the East Central Consultant for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board for Discipleship, and I'm glad to be with you today. And we also have a special guest. His name is Steve Adelot. Steve is the president of SOA Construction. He's a uh, architect. Uh, he loves Jesus, and he specializes in church buildings. And so, Steve, we're very glad to have you today as part of this uh discussion, this uh, panel discussion about uh, facilities and updating our facilities. And so we've got a couple of questions we're going to ask these guys and pose some things to them. Let them just share with you uh, from their area of expertise. And I think we're going to kick off with Dallas. So Kenneth, why don't you just get us going here? Dallas, again, thank you so much for joining us. And I know that you've uh, led your church through some renovations here recently. And I want to ask you what I think is a very important question. What is the why or what was your why uh, for deciding to renovate your facility? Yeah, good question. And you alluded to it, you know, in, in talking about the blog, which I encourage folks to check out. But the reality is the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, the people perish. And I would kind of give you the Dallas White translation of that in, in regards to this discussion, uh, where there is no vision, the facilities fall apart, right? And that was true in Nehemiah, and it's true in our churches. A lot of times where there's no vision, the facilities start to fall into a, a state of disrepair. And so I can remember coming to the Grove as um, a candidate and, uh, you know, walking around the facilities for the first time and looking with fresh eyes at what these folks were seeing week to week and, and sort of being stunned and taken back a little bit at some of the conditions of these spaces. Now, granted, not everyone here had looked past some of those conditions. There were folks here who, who saw the need, but a lot of folks had just gotten used to it, right? It's the old principle. If you walk past it enough, it's just going to become normal. And so really as a, as a new pastor coming in, what I recognized was the condition of our facilities was really a clear indicator of our focus. And that was internal, right? It was, it was all designed to be around us. So we just begin to pray and plan and talk about the, the kind of church that we wanted to be. And then, and then we begin to cast vision for that. So uh, if we're going to be a church that helps families flourish, then we need to have spaces that are conducive to doing that. And uh, so we just kind of begin that, that long, uh, slow sometimes process of casting vision, raising funds, putting together a plan, putting together a team, and really very similar to the work that Nehemiah did on the wall, just, just starting kind of with a vision from God and growing from there. And it was just amazing to see the, the way that the Lord brought the, the prayer that we've, we've prayed from the beginning has been this, God, would you give us the people and the resources to do all that you've called us to do? 
And of course, when you're, when you're thinking about facilities, that's so important. You've got to have the right people. And of course, it takes the right resources. And God has been so gracious to us here to answer that prayer, particularly in regards to our facilities. So that was the big push for us was there were just some things about our, our facilities that didn't really reflect our heart for the community to, to reach people and, and to see families flourishing. And we knew that if we were going to be true to this, this mission of our church, we really had to do some things differently in terms of our facilities. So that's kind of the driving force behind why we decided to make some changes. Well, I think that's very, very powerful answer. And I, I wrote down some notes. So just uh, what you said about that it's a clear indicator of our focus. I mean, that's a powerful statement right there. And we want to hear from, from you that are watching this. You know, are you in a, a renovation at your church right now? Are you contemplating building a new, uh, a new building? We'd love to hear what you're doing uh, at your church right now and where you're at in that process. We want to hear from you. And also remind you, as you comment, there, there is some free swag that we give away each week on these videos. So if you make some comments, interact with this, you'll be uh, in, the, in the running for some of that, uh, some of those giveaways. So uh, I just want to remind you about that. One of the things you mentioned, Dallas, was about vision. And one of the things that I've learned and a lot of leaders learn and, and know is you can't just cast vision once. You just can't say it and expect people to get it the first time. We'd love it if it'd be that way. But uh, as you're casting vision and you think about casting vision, what did that look like? Can you walk us through how you cast vision for this recent renovation and how you did it throughout the process? Yeah. So, you know, it began with that first walkthrough. Um, I can remember having uh, conversations that night with folks that, that were walking through that building with me and just beginning to tell them, hey, um, it, I want to meet you where you are, but I don't want to stay here. You know, I want to come, I want to come down to where you are. I want to, I want to meet you where we are. Um, but I want to help us grow from here. We, we can be better than this and we have to be better than this, right? We, we, we need to be better than this. And so just beginning in personal conversations, uh, is where, it, where it started. And then really as a church, just continuing, as you said, Kenneth, to, to beat that drum week in and week out. And so for us, we felt like any facility changes we, we have ever done here, they needed to flow from our, our vision as a church. And so we have said from day one, we exist to help families flourish. That, that word flourish plays a big role in what we do. And we've defined what that looks like. It's part of our um, disciple-making pathway here. So quick plug for our discipleship team at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Uh, but we, we begin to talk about what that would look like in terms of our facilities and then as we were casting vision, we put together something called the Flourish Fund. And the Flourish Fund is an over and above account that we've set up so we can do more. Um, I, I heard Pastor Steve Gaines from Bellevue Baptist Church say several years ago that as a pastor, he wanted to be the type of leader that led like Moses in a sense, that would wake up and be able to follow the cloud by day and the fire by night. And we know that sometimes in leadership, as much as we prioritize plans and, and, and long-term planning is good and it's wise, there's also an element to our jobs that requires us to be agile, right, and adaptable. And so the Flourish Fund, we created to do that, to be able to tackle some projects that maybe, maybe we wanted to get to um, in a more timely manner. And we just begin to, to tell people, hey, we're going we're gonna, to you know, encourage you to be generous to our, our general fund, which is how we pay our bills and how we keep things going. 
but there's so much more God wants to do here. And so the flourish fund is where that happens, right? So be, be faithful, be generous here, but let's go over and above. And of course, that's something we, we felt like we had to lead the way on. So literally every time we, we give at our church, every time we get paid, my wife and I, we, we give to our general fund and then we go over and above. And I, I tell that to our people because I want them to know I'm not just asking you to do something. I'm buying into this, right? And even my family, it was one of the, 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 the special stories from this, this recent renovation that we did. Um, my eight-year-old son, we, we had one of those days where m- most of us have these where, you know, you're, you're having a big day to, to, to give and to, to try to raise funds. And um, my, my son was seven years old at the time, my oldest son. And he came downstairs on Sunday morning and um, he, he had his piggy bank with him. And he, he said, okay, dad, like I'm, I'm ready to go to church. And I said, buddy, what are you doing? What are you doing with that? And he said, well, we're giving our offering today. And I said, yeah, yeah. What are you, what are you taking your piggy bank for? And he said, well, I, I'm going to give my offering. And I said, well, how much did, you know, how much did you feel like the Lord wanted you to give? And he said, all of it. And it just, as a dad, you know, that's just like, you know, words moment, you know, you just, you're floored. And here's what's so cool about that. I thought, I've got to tell this story to our church. I've got to share this with our church. So my son went up and he counted it out and he had $320 in his piggy bank, which I was like, I should have known about this before. Like I would have, I would have borrowed some from you. Right. But he had $320 and he, he counted it out and he put it in a Ziploc bag and he wrote it on a little, a post-it note. And he brought that with him to give. And um, I called him, I called him up and I set him down on the stage with me and I just asked him to share about what the Lord had done in his heart and why he wanted to give. And um, his $320 gift and his act of obedience turned into probably um, $20,000 more than what we would have taken in because people who were sitting in that room said, if, if that's what a seven-year-old is going to do, man, I've got to do more, right? If he's going to give it all, and maybe the Lord's telling me to do more. And so it was just the Lord used stories like that to help build a culture of generosity in our church around being able to do um, things that the Lord would have us to do, maybe on an expedited timeline through our, our Flourish Fund. So it's been really neat because as we've done that over the last couple of years, you know, we went, we went from being a, a $40,000 deficit um, in November 2017 when, when, when I walked in to in the last two and a half years we've taken in over $200,000 above our budgeted needs. And it really has to do with um, casting vision and giving people a a clear target of what you're going after. And man, the people of our churches, I think they want to give to stuff. I think they want to be generous, but I think it's our responsibility to help shepherd their hearts in a certain direction. And certainly the Lord gives us opportunities like he did with my son to do that. So those were some key things that, that played a part in our process of really leading our church to to tackle these um, projects that had just left, been left undone for for quite some time wow what a what great insights and what a powerful testimony of your son and his obedience That's, that definitely is a, a, a story to tell and thank you for sharing it with us this morning i want to turn it now over to matthew and he's going to uh, talk with steve about it from a, a construction standpoint Thanks, Kenneth. And Dallas, thank you for sharing uh, your heart, just sharing what God's doing there at the Grove. And uh, just to repeat what Kenneth said, just leave a comment uh, there or we'll post some questions uh, to you as well, or we're posting right now some questions to you. So uh, just respond to those questions. 
And just be reminded that uh, there's six of us discipleship consultants in the state, Dallas, Kenneth, myself, and several others. And we are connected with a number of churches and pastors around the state. And so if you're thinking about uh, some type of renovation or uh, are preparing for that, just as Dallas said, casting vision, we can certainly connect you with some guys that are already in the midst of that, that may be a help to you, encouragement to you. So we want to come alongside you and help you in any way we can. Uh, I've already introduced Steve to you. Steve's going to talk to us a little bit uh, from the construction side and, and from the, the architectural side. And Steve, I know that uh, when it comes to renovations and other changes in the physical buildings, you have actually developed a tool that you recommend as really a good starting point. And, and this is not a sales pitch because I know your heart. I know your heart for churches and pastors, and this is something that's that doesn't cost them anything to use. So share with us a little bit about your space analysis tool. And as he's doing that, we'll post a link to that in the comment section if you wanna check that out. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Matthew. Yes, um, I, I appreciate you inviting me today. Um, this is a blessing to me um, because I am uh, in the business of, of uh, architecture and construction, but I'm also in the business of helping churches make good decisions. It's like Dallas said, it, it, the communication of the information is key to, um, to, to casting vision. And, um, and, and, you know, this tool that you're mentioning is, is what we call a space analysis, space plan analysis. And um, I, uh, I had it on the Spark Conference, had a little uh, QR code on, on our video there um, that you could uh, just, uh, scan and then go right into the form but I also have one on our website um, soaconstruction.net um, and just look for the tab that says space plan analysis and it's a free tool but it's a powerful tool um, what this does is uh, we developed this over a period of five or six years um, used a lot of life ways uh, rules of thumb uh, to uh, develop the this, this space that uh, is required. And uh, basically all it is is just uh, putting the name of the church and your attendance records into the form. And uh, once you in, in, uh, install those attendance records, it's broken down into groups, you know, like worship and education. And education is broken down into, um, you know, the age groups. And so what it does is it provides a space um, analysis based on your current attendance. It also gives you a chance to project um, forward some growth patterns. So you could trend it 10% for the next 10 to 20 years. Um, you could uh, trend it, uh, you know, uh, 5% for, um, for youth. You could trend it 1% for your elders. Uh, you know, so it's, it's customized to where you can um, adapt each growing trend to the age group that you have. And so what it tells you is how much, how much space that you need for worship, education, and it breaks it all down in, in a nice format that you can use. And it projects out five years and 10 years. Um, we, uh, we strongly suggest that, that you look at at least the five-year mark. And, um, and, and we developed this tool just based on a, um, uh, a few years of research with, uh, with churches and you know, why do you make decisions to build? What, what, is, what is the driving force that, um, that, that caused you to decide to, to build or to expand? 
And a lot of times we find that uh, churches have an emotional experience, like on Easter, they may have more babies than they could uh, have rooms for. Uh, at Christmas time, they may have more uh, people in small groups than they've ever had before. And so it drives, it has this emotional uh, part of it, which is, which is really good. But what we do with this tool is we couple that with an analytical uh, approach. And, you know, I'm speaking from the secular world when I say analytical approach, but, but, you know, I also want people to follow the Holy Spirit and, and what the Holy Spirit's guiding you to do. Um, but what this does it just gives you an opportunity to, to look at what the analytical uh, data says versus what you think emotionally or spiritually, you know, what we need to do. So I, I, I feel like that this tool is, is a big help for not only space planning, but you can use it also for uh, financial planning as well for the next five to 10 years. Those are some great points, Steve. And, and I totally understand where you're coming from because we don't want to be reactionary, just simply reactionary in our planning. We want to be, uh, and, and uh, Dallas started talking about casting vision. We want to cast vision with an understanding of where we are and where we want to go. And I think that's what you're saying. That's all great stuff there. And so, uh, folks, we'll, we'll make sure to post that link so that you can uh, see that thing and use it. Just go out there. I know Steve and I, we've talked about this a number of times uh, in our past dealings. Just go out and check it out and try it out and see if it, it fits what you need as you begin to think about planning uh, and preparing for maybe a renovation or, or, or building. All right, another question for you, Steve. Beyond the space analysis, what are some maybe the top two or three things that you would recommend that pastors and church leaders consider as they think about possibly a renovation or remodel uh, to their buildings or maybe even future additional buildings? Um, thank you, Matthew. Um, there, there's several points I'd like to make, and, and I would like to start with um, a, a, a careful analysis of, of, you know, the conditions of the building and a careful analysis of the cost to um, to to create um, those repairs for the for the um, for the maintenance. So so there there lies a you know a question. Well, who do you call? Do you call an architect? Do you call a contractor? You know, and and the reason I'm saying this important is because everything you do as a church relies upon that number being correct. So if that number is off, and I see this a lot of times with churches, um, and I'm an architect, uh, I've, I, you know, I, I, I was a contractor first and then become an architect, but I've, without um, any, any malice in their heart, um, they treat the church the same way they treat the world. So they will just design a building and then, you know, put some sort of factor on there for the cost and then once the building is um, is designed and, and uh, you get bids on it, sometimes they come back higher than what what uh, they anticipated. So it so it creates a you know a a drag on the momentum for the church. So what we try to do is identify that cost up front with the correct um, um, factors on it, and that way, whenever you get ready to go and build or go and renovate. Uh, those numbers are falling in your budget. 
So it's very important that you identify that, that, that scope of work and the cost of that scope of work up front with professionals and, um, and, and hold those professionals accountable for what they tell you, because that that's key to your leadership, having um, confidence from, from your members, because if you wind up with a project that you can't afford to build, obviously that's, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a drag on your momentum. So, so what we want to do is encourage you to identify those, those uh, numbers. And, and second, uh, if you do nothing else, look at the envelope of the building, the roof, the walls, the windows, the doors of the exterior, make sure you don't have water intrusion, um, air infiltration or drag on your heating and air system. That's really key to, um, to a starting point is making sure that your envelope is, is, um, is secure and uh, well-maintained. And then everything else inside of it obviously has priority. Um, we also have another tool that, um, that we've used and, um, and we offer this, this one is obviously for cost, but, um, but you could identify, um, this, do the same thing yourself. Um, and, and it's called a PAMS program. And, and we basically identify all of the maintenance problems and then put a dollar value on it and then, and then give you the information to be able to, to use down the road to make sure that you get the renovations done, um, you know, according to the report. So, so there's another tool there uh, to help you, but uh, uh, we can talk about that another time. Um, the, the third thing is, is the people. Uh, I know Dallas mentioned, you know, that he cast a vision um, to, uh, to, to renovate or to maintain that, that structure. Well, someone has to do that work, right? So if you, if you can imagine your people embracing these men and women that come onto your campus to do this work and share the gospel with these men and women that are in, in a, a whole nother world that most of us are not in. Can you imagine witnessing to these men and women and, and sharing the gospel with them and knowing when they leave that somebody loves them and, and hopefully they know that Jesus loves them. So that, that is, to me, one of the most important parts of a renovation job or a new construction job is, is to embrace the mission field that God's going to bring. And I just truly believe that. Um, and any church that we talk to, we discuss this in length and, and we try our very best to reach every person that comes on that campus. And, um, and so, so there's, there's other things um, that we could talk about today um, in, in more in depth, but overall, um, you know, identify that cost, make sure it's right, the envelope, make sure it's tight and, and challenge your people to be uh, mission-minded when they bring people on the campus. Man, those are, those are great, great things to think about. And, and I know uh, we've talked many times about some of these things, just the idea of, of making sure that, uh, that you can take care of what you build and what you renovate by good maintenance. And just the idea, and, and I, know, I know we don't have time for some of those stories, but I've heard some of those stories, Steve, in your own experience of how, uh, how y'all have ministered and shared the gospel on construction sites and seen people come to faith in Christ 
actually change entire families as a result of, of saying, hey, here's a mission field for a limited time that God has given us on our campus with people coming to work here that we can minister to. What a great, great example for us to think about uh, just to, to continue our vision and, and our calling to, to further the gospel in a, in a unique way as we take care of uh, one of the greatest resources we have, which is our facilities. Hey, yeah. Kenneth, you got anything else you want to share? Yeah, I would just like to say it's great to hear two different perspectives about the, the same goal of pointing people to Christ through our facilities. Um, it's, it's just been incredible. And I want to thank both of y'all so much. I want to ask one more question. And Dallas, I'll start with you and Steve, you jump in. Um, what are your final thoughts? Anything that you'd like to add to this discussion? Anything you'd like to share with us uh, as we wrap up this session? And I think the only thing I would add is we've, we've got to hold facilities loosely. I mean, they are a wonderful, wonderful tool, right, for helping us accomplish our mission. And as, as Steve has shared, we should be very thoughtful in how we approach um, any projects that we're going to tackle because ultimately we're using kingdom resources and kingdom time to do it, right? So we need to be good stewards of that. But at the same time, we, we've got to remember just to hold really loosely what's been entrusted to us and make sure that the facilities remain a tool and not sort of the object or, or the focus of what we're doing. So even as you're building or considering building, considering renovating, um, and once those renovations are done, remember you've done that for people, right? So, uh, you know, let people in, let people use those facilities. We're finishing one project now and we're, we're getting ready to, to, to do another one simply because this next project is going to allow us to host hundreds of families for like a six month period um, during basketball season here in our, here in our gym. So we're, we're tackling some more renovations, but the reason we're doing that is because we have a, a new opportunity, right. To engage people. So uh, man, always let, always let the real mission, which is people drive what you're doing when it comes to your facilities. That's an awesome point, Steve, any final, any final thoughts as we wrap this up? Well, I, I just encourage the leaders in the church, uh, don't be afraid. Uh, step out with boldness and, and, and uh, encourage your people to, to look at your facilities and, and take care of those facilities. And, and just, um, just know that there's resources out there. I'm not the only one. And, uh, and, and there's plenty of uh, professional help uh, to give them the tools they need to be successful and, and making sure that they're facility is is nice and clean and safe for uh, their people to worship. Thank you so much for that. Matthew, I'll turn it back over to you. Well, Dallas, uh, thank you so much for sharing. Kenneth, thank you for hosting us today. And Steve, I appreciate you know my heart. I appreciate you and what you're doing. We've got, uh, the, we've got folks out there that want to help uh, our, our consultants, some, some experts like Steve, some, some guys that are in the trenches, pastors and Folks, we can connect you to as you think about this idea of uh, renovating or building. And that's what we want to do. We want to be a resource to you. Don't forget to comment in the comment section there uh, so you can get some of that great swag. Maybe even get a shirt like Kenneth has got there with the Georgia Baptist uh, stuff on it. But uh, appreciate so much you guys joining us today. And just remember, if there's anything we can do, the Georgia Baptist Mission Board to help you, we want to do that. We want to connect you with the right resources. We want to resource our churches to reach people with the gospel and help them grow in their faith and do all that God wants them to do. So thank you so much for being here today and you guys have a great day.